Shelly, you know how much I love programmatic advertising for recruitment. It saves so much time and effort in trying to figure out where I can get maximum exposure and value in advertising my jobs. Yeah, for sure. It is a game changer. And you know who I love too is AppCast. They are the leading programmatic job advertising platform that helps you reach the right candidates fast. Definitely. AppCast advanced targeting and real-time optimization technologies make sure that your job ads are seen by the most qualified candidate. Plus, they have a team of experts that's always there to support you and make sure you get the best results. It's so true, right? AppCast has just got the nicest people on staff. They're just a pleasure to work with. And tracking your job's performance in real time is the other big plus. Being able to see exactly what's happening, what's driving the applications, where they're coming for. And at the end of the day, it's about making hires. And where else can you expand your reach across 30,000 sites? Your candidates are everywhere online with AppCast. Your jobs will be too. So check them out at appcast.io. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Bonjour and welcome to the Recruitment Flex. Shelly, we have our doppelgangers from Australia joining the show this week. Mm-hmm. I think if anyone were to meet the four of us in person, it would be Bizarro World because our personalities are so similar yet so opposite. And I have had the pleasure of meeting and spending time in person and making some wonderful friendships. I would like to welcome to the show Craig Watson and Lauren Sharp, who are co-hosts of Tapod from Australia. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thanks so for having us, guys. You. It's very, very exciting. Oh, yes. yeah. No. My big question for you two is I hope you're coming back to Wreckfest in London this year because we've got another pub crawl to do, I'll tell you now, Shell. <laughs> oh. Lauren, I love how you put us on the spot. I haven't decided. Well, Shelly, I think, has decided. Tiger and Shelly can come. <laughs> Lauren's already on, online now booking your tickets. Shelly, are you going? What's your plan? So I would love to go. Brooklyn and I are talking. There's an outdoor concert at the beginning of July in wow. London. And she's begging me, please, let's go. Serge, I think it'd be so great if we could go together this year. Because we did travel together a couple times. You know, it, it worked out okay, right? So what shitty 90s band are you going to go see in London? <laughs> no, uh-uh. No, actually, Serge, I will prepare you for what's coming with your daughters. <laughs> Maddie Healy is the front man for a band called The 1975. Okay, so what's the deal? What type of music is it? Emo or what? No, it's it's rock. Okay. Yeah, no, we saw them. It's one of Brooke's favorite bands. But is the concert oh, at the same oh time God. as Wreckfest? Well, it's July 2nd, and then Wreckfest is just a few days after that. Yeah, okay. So that weekend before Wreckfest is Pride in London as well. Yes. So I am going to go here streets and be a fellow with our LGBTQ plus community as I did last year in London for their anniversary. I think it was their 50th anniversary of Pride. So I'm going to hit those streets doing some street art with Bill Borman and popping up Pride art and I'm just going to join in the festivities. We've got to do this. Yeah, I think we do. But I have a question. So last year I heard rumors about Craig (laughs) maybe not being as sharp as 
<laughs> possible on the day. I wasn't there, so <laughs> can anyone share the story? I might have actually missed Wreckfest. Let's be honest. Okay. Well, this is a little bit of a story because Wreckfest, obviously, the reason we went to the UK, the whole reason we went to the UK, and so excited to be there. 4,000 TA people. Seriously, how good was it, Shell? Oh, it was just amazing. Right. Head next to me. I think she's 25 <laughs> still. That he's not. So we had our pub crawl. Then the night before breakfast, we did a bit of networking and went out to a couple of events and idiot decides to go on another pub crawl. I pulled out and went home and went to bed being sensible me. We both did. Yeah. Craig ended up in a lock-in in the UK in a pub, which means they lock the doors and you stay there drinking till wee hours of the morning. And uh, last photographic evidence was at 10 past two in the morning of him out in a pub and out the door by 7 a.m. He slept in a bloody deck chair in the middle of a field at Wreckfest for four hours. That's just re-energising, <laughs> you know. That was a trip well spent, mate. Trip well spent, you're welcome. And how long is the flight <laughs> from Australia to London? 21 hours on a good day. <laughs> yeah. I was just preparing just myself. a little crazy. I'll tell you, do you remember the days when you would be standing there while your parents are really mad at each other? It, the it, train it. ride back from breakfast. Yeah, Lauren wasn't happy. Honestly, it was like being with your parents when they're fighting <laughs> because I thought you were going to kill him. Oh, God. I have to admit, I got FOMO from all the pictures. I still remember texts <laughs> middle of the night. I don't even remember what time it was, but I'm getting all these pictures of all three of you having a really good time. Then I hear the story about Craig the day after, and I'm like, well, serves him right. You should have gone to bed <laughs> oh, at a good time. Oh, but I've got to say, and I hope your listeners are onto this, and you guys are probably talking about it immensely, it, Wreckfest is coming to the US. Yes. Oh, we so are the- like the first ones on the plane. Okay, give me your honest opinion here. So do you think it's going to be as successful in the US as it is in London? It's half yeah, the size. Yeah, I think there'll be a build. I think that ask that question in four or five years because Wreckfest has been a steady build and then the hiccup with COVID and everything. I think it will because, you know, there is a festival culture in North America. Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing that too is it's not like Unleash. It's not like all of the other conferences where you're in an auditorium, there's a heap of vendors and all that stuff. It seriously is like being at a fun park as well as being at a music festival all rolling together, but it's all around TA. But it's a different sell to your L&D budget for, you know, whoever you're internally trying to get the money from because from a distance it looks like it's a festival. But there's so many learnings from it. So, right, it is very different because it's grass under your feet and blue sky. Mm. So I, I do have a question because when I used to go to a lot of festivals when I was younger, there was a lot of people just fucking everywhere. Is this the case at Wreckfest? Is there random know, people? Like, Did you guys miss well, out? I on that? was fucked. I think that answers that one. And it was certainly a lot of people <laughs> fucked later on. But um, no, I didn't see anyone getting down and dirty behind a tent. But it is a big field with a lot of trees. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Festival vibe. Like, because it was a nice hot day for the UK. It was about 25. There was alcoholic lollipops served at lunchtime and ice mm. balls. I don't think you call them popsicles or something. And Prosecco slushy. That went down a treat while you're getting your face painted. Honestly, but, but anyone looking for budget, there there are learnings too. Oh, there's a lot of learnings. Yes, anyone listening to this and be like, <laughs> listen to this episode to find out more about Wreckfest US, probably not a good example. <laughs> Honestly, I have to say, if you're listening to this, get to Wreckfest. I'm flying over from here and I know that Jess Gibson-Jones, who is the 
guru of sourcing here and data in TA is speaking over there. We've introduced her to Jamie, so she's going to be there as well. I just think it's going to be a phenomenal event. Yeah, it will be. Yeah, you can't go wrong in Nashville. I think it's going to be tons of fun. So I'm curious what's going on in Australia right now. You're just the start of fall, right? Yeah, just coming out of summer. Summers over the years have seemed to get longer at either end. So, Oh, really? We've almost become a a two-season country, just winter for a while and then summer. But everyone's really enjoying it. We've got Bonnie who works with us here, and she walked into the office this morning, and Lauren's going, oh, look, here's the beach, babe, because she's so tan, and everyone's just happy at the moment. Everyone's happy, which is good. Because, you know, it's been two, three, four years of pain and not knowing, particularly down here, we had the toughest lockdown laws. So mm. it's it's like a rebirth over the last summer really has really helped a lot. Oh, it was right? great. We hit the tennis this year, the Australian Open, yeah. which was really good. And then I went to Western Australia for a while to a little island called Rotnest. And there's these little animals called quokkas. So mm. Google that one. That's the only place in the world you'll find them. They look and like mini kangaroos that smile all the time. Yeah, little tiny kangaroos. So and they've got a permanent smile on their face. Oh, they're the most adorable little things. They come right up to you and they'll sniff your hand and you're not allowed to touch them because it's a wildlife law, but they will come up and touch you. And it's just the most adorable thing to see in the world. And it was amazing. Uh, and I think one of the other things, we were talking a little bit about that festival vibe and stuff before, that this summer is seen the first time in maybe four or five years that super large international acts are touring. Like we've got... Harry Styles here at the moment. Fatboy Slim's coming. Oh. Yeah, last week we had just before the NBA All-Stars, there was and Post Malone was here. They're starting to tour. When, so it's it's here. good. It's it's that exciting. People are getting out and about and just attending things the whole mm. time. Yeah. So what's the big news in Australia right now? Is there something like dominating the headlines? I think everyone's talking chat GPT, but that's a global thing. Everyone's that, talking yeah. about that fuck up with Bard. Yeah, it's that type of thing and seeing where it's going to go. I'm using chat GPT. I'm playing around with it. Sometimes I think it's okay, but next thing I know, I've got 500 words that say nothing. So I think it's got a lot of fine tuning. The question I've got about it, has anyone put a gender lens on this? Yes. They have. Yes, yes, there have been. Okay, um, I've been trying to find some research on that. Yeah, we'll send yeah. you an article that we found. And what's interesting about all artificial intelligence is it's always a reflection of who's asking. So there's a great example of write me a job description for an HR learning and development specialist who is active in the Mormon church and ensured to ask for a cover letter demonstrating how active you are in your church. Well, if you peel that back, first of all, what did you ask it for? Like you asked it to be biased. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Second of all, if you're looking overall, L&D people in America, by and large, are women. So you just asked it to give you five different uh, true biased responses in mm-hmm. the hands of the wrong person who wouldn't know any better not to ask it stupid ass questions you're going to get biased responses, right? So are you saying that you think it promotes bias, unconscious and conscious, just by the very information you're putting in? Yes. What it has proven is if you ask it to do something biased, build a job description that calls for somebody to be a Mormon, it'll build it for you. It doesn't know any better. It is all reflective of how you ask the question and what you're asking it to do. Yeah, yeah, Texio did some great research on every aspect from sourcing emails to job descriptions. And it gave some bias across the board from racial to age. Ageism was the biggest actually barrier. There was a lot of bias when it came to age. Oh, that shit me. <laughs> I work with an old man, so that shits me. I hate it when people <laughs> get bias against Craig. 
Please. Are you looking out for me now, mate? I'm looking out for you. <laughs> oh, I read. Yeah, honestly, he might be old, but he can still get around. That's it. You can still move around. I see the walker next to you or the kid. Yeah, that's right. Like, I see my ability scooter is just, it's my best friend. I wouldn't trust you with anything electrical. Well, Craig, I do have a question for you because I've been listening for a long time. And one of the things that you remind me of is an old married couple. And I'm going to add this one that is close to getting divorced. Like you take abuse like no yeah, one I've um, ever seen. You're a saint, my friend. Yeah. Saint? Oh, yeah. people say that about say me. That. Most people say that to me when, um, when Lauren's not in the room. Look, I've got two choices. I either put up with it or I put energy into fighting it and I'm just lazy. So but you'll lose. You'll lose. <laughs> yeah, you're lazy. I'm lazy. I can't be bothered fighting. I do love your dynamic. Your dynamic is fantastic. I, think, look, you, I love this. We, we've got a very unique relationship that's unexplainable. I see it more like a brother and sister. Yeah. A lot of people do see like an old married couple, but most people can't believe that we've only known each other for three, maybe three, four years. Three, four years. Nineteen, we met. Uh, so yeah, but very loyal to each other too, which mm. is good. And we've got this. It's interesting. There's there's a an online conference in a couple of weeks down here in Australia called Bounce Two, and we're supposed to be presenting about us. It's, it's really weird. So we're going to go. Well, we're going to talk about ourselves for however long half um, an hour for and how sake. you know how together and how we work together i don't know it's yeah. gonna be really weird but yeah yeah we love working with each other but i'm not going to say the fighting's an act because it's not she's exactly the same off air but pain in my ass but it's fun as long as we don't see each other every day we're happy we get along really well we do fight like an old married couple but it's most of it's in jest and we just take the piss yeah, but you're right like an old married couple have to spend time on the golf course away from her yeah exactly <laughs> so I, how does your wife feel about the dynamic craig she loves it. Sometimes she says, oh, Lauren says to you what I want to say to you sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Megan is amazing. She's actually coming to the UK with us this year. Yeah, and yeah, and I've got a little plan of a few things we want to go off and do together. I just love her. She's yeah. amazing. How the hell she puts up with this wanker, I don't know. <laughs> you know. Seriously punching above his weight on this ah, one. Ah, come on. She is beautiful. Oh, I've seen pictures. I've seen pictures on Facebook She's and beautiful. you're right, Lauren. Now he's punching above his wife. No, no offense, Craig. You did well. You did well. When you're on a good thing, you just sit there and ride the wave. As it were. <laughs> yeah, so true. Well, let me tackle this next one because something that we're seeing here in Canada and throughout the US is this very confusing market. We had super high inflation. The media loves the the bad news of layoffs and recession, yet we've got the strongest labor market that we have seen since God before I was born. What's your inflation rate sitting at in Canada at the moment? We're at about 6%, but in the summer it went as high as 8 but on food and groceries, it's still hovering at 10.1%. Yeah. I think that a lot of that comes down to, you know, similar with Canada and Australia being very large countries, we have to transport all this stuff everywhere. And so when you've got gas prices, which are driven from other parts of the world, pushing things up, everything at the grocery goes up. And then in Australia and New Zealand, which is very close to us, there's been, a you know, some disasters. That, biblical bingo. Yeah. What are we going to get today? A flood or an earthquake or a cyclone? Because New Zealand and Australia is like the food bowl for this area. Yeah. And if something comes through like a cyclone, it just all of a sudden banana prices triple and mm-hmm. all sorts of things. But you're right. It's so confusing because- All indicators should show that unemployment is super high along with everything else. And it's not. They're competing sets of data. It's traditional economic theory of post-World War II, all of what you've just said. And the best way to fix that is raise interest rates to stop spending. But this is not 
the issue. The issue is a supply chain global issue where oil is being capped in by OPEC and you've got the war in the Ukraine, you've got COVID still ravaging the world, even though the vaccines are rolling out, but it's still there. It's Mm. still halting the workforce. You've had a negative population growth here in Australia once our borders opened up. A lot of people just packed up and left. That is adding to our low unemployment. And now that the borders are back open, it's hard to get them back because it's so expensive to fly. And Mm. Australia's away from anywhere. Yeah. So when we were trying to hire overseas workers to come into the country, Companies are balking at trying to pay for them to get here because everything's double to triple the cost. Our Department of Immigration are traditionally slow off the mark getting visas approved. And I've got to say they're being inundated at the moment. So they're normally slow. Throw in the fact that so many people are trying to get here. It's just like get your shit together. Yeah. Even the passport office used to be like two or three weeks, three months to get a new passport. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Wow. Crazy. It's almost a mirror image of Canada. Everything you just mentioned are exactly the same challenges that we're seeing here. Other than immigration. Really? What do you mean? Immigration, they have opened it wide up. They're anticipating yeah. 20, 22, 23, 24, 1.5 million people. For a country of only 35 million people, that is really significant. What we do well is the skill matching, bringing that people up. into the country. And there's been a tremendous amount of pressure and programs developed here for recognition of foreign trained professionals. So something like a nurse could come to Canada, but because of the provincial nursing regulations, they have to go back to square one in schooling, which is absurd. Absurd. But it's not controlled by the government. It's controlled by the governing bodies who say, okay, you are a certified nursing professional. Crazy. We have got to find a way because we've got, like, you talk to your Uber driver. He's a fully qualified medical device engineer, mm. but he can't work in our country because of his degree's not. We need to look at some sort of bridging qualification that allows these immigrants to go and do this and obviously have their wage garnered for the cost of the education so they don't have to pay it up front, like twenty dollars or $30,000, which they can't afford, to get these people into the workforce. We've got this group of people sitting there and we're doing fuck all with it. Yeah, it's really been pressure coming from the industry as well, because much like everyone else, a lot of people had to go back home if you weren't working during Mm -hmm. lockdowns. And we have burned out our essential workers. We just have. People are just like, fuck it. I am never going to come back here and put toppings on pizzas again. I'm going to go find something else. Mm. One of the hardest skills to find last year, imagine this, was line cooks. Wow. Just like. We're not doing this anymore. Yeah. No. Cafe workers is one of the hardest things here, yeah. usually by the backpackers and things like that. And our backpackers, I think it was 99.6% of them left when COVID hit. Yep. So it's just insane. And I'm beginning to see it come back though. Are you? West Australia being there for the two weeks of the summer is the first sort of port of call coming out of Europe in the Middle East for anyone. And there was backpackers everywhere. And I don't blame them for getting off the plane in Perth and staying there for the summer because it's bloody beautiful. Mm. So what is the unemployment rate right now in Australia? Uh, The stats were released last week. It's gone up from 3.5 to 3.7, which is not unusual, to be honest, in January because Australia over the summer, we just shut down. No one does any work. From pretty much two days before Christmas right through to Australia Day, which is the 26th of January, 
the whole country. But that's still down. historically low, like three point. Oh, that three yeah. and a half is. That'll go down, I think, next month or the month after. It's, again, it's almost full employment. <laughs> We consider yeah. anything below four full employment. Yeah. In Canada, we're at five. And this is a historic low since 1969. We've never seen it this yeah. low. Yeah, we think that outside of tech and construction in Australia, everything else you cannot find enough people. Yeah. You just cannot. Healthcare and associated industries, hospitality, tourism, farming, education, yeah. almost everything else. You cannot find people. Schools are understaffed for teachers, not enough teachers. Um, blame them after online learning stuff <laughs> that those little shits and tech is and we've discussed this a million times recently we think it's a blip because it's driven very much by some of those multinationals based in the u.s that have done large layoffs so it's mm. nothing really to suggest it should happen here it's more fear people are going well hang on we hired two years ago contractors at a higher rate we'll let those contracts run down and then maybe go back in at a lower rate because there's more fish in the pond so what's the thing though in tech because we had our total closed border no immigration our guys last year, the year before, when we started hiring again, we had to just make do with what we had. So the competing salaries were through the bloody roof. And I've been saying for two years that the only way to fix that in the tech industry is redundancy because you can't maintain that overhead yeah. on your bottom line. It's just not going to work. And it's exactly what's happening. And to be honest, the layoffs are nowhere near the number that they've actually employed over the last two years. So I think Amazon, the layoffs that they've made is something like it's 6% of what they've employed in the last two years. So it's next to nothing. And it's not as if we're getting an abundance of tech workers back into the market, though. They're just getting rid of the loose meat around the edges. And mm. it's still demand. Like to still to find people, it's tough going to get the good people out there. Yeah. A challenge that we had in Canada is the amount of 55 to 65, which is usually still in the workforce, they've been retiring en masse during mm. COVID after COVID. And we're having a really hard time bringing them back into the economy because what's happening is exactly like you. We do not have any of the retail, wholesale, hospitality type workers because all of those workers are going to jobs that five years, 10 years ago would not have been qualified for. It's just the whole labor market has shifted and the lower part of the labor market, there's just no one that's willing to work that. Hence the reason that immigration is such a key role for us, not only in the skill matching, but someone to run our Tim Hortons and our coffee shops and our restaurants. But have you seen that as far as older? Well, I hate to say older. I mean, like Thanks. 55. Be careful there, search. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, very careful. I find your point really interesting. And also it feeds into the other end of the market. Like I've got a 15-year-old kid and five, 10 years ago, 15-year-olds, one out of every 10 might might have a part-time job. Now they all have, because there's so many gaps, like your McDonald's and your supermarkets, and they're absolutely just going into the schools now and grabbing kids as soon as they turn of age, which I think in Australia is 14 and a half, we can get a part-time job. That's what it was like when we were kids. I had my first job at 14 and a half. Yeah, same. Did everyone know? It's All my friends had oh. jobs. I grew up in a country town in the middle of nowhere. And all of us kids went and got jobs, whether it be at the supermarket, whether it be delivering papers, whether it be in cafe on weekends, whether it be at the sports club making sandwiches on a Sunday morning for the golfers to come in. All of those things. Like I had a part-time job all the way through. You know, the the old days, the old days, sorry. The, the, those days when- <laughs> That long ago, mate. <laughs> it was much more highly competitive. These kids now, they're walking into a place and walking out with a job paid bloody well because they can't get anyone else. You know, in these- Hospo rolls and it's bizarre. You go next time you get a coffee, not in Melbourne, but just in the suburbs or something, they'll all be kids. You go, how can you be old enough to be working? You'll look at them, you go, what the hell's going on here? 
it's like child labor, but they're going to open a, a Nike factory in, in down the road soon and get everybody in there. <laughs> yeah, I, what we saw for youth is coming in and asking, what does it pay? Yeah, And yeah. never, I don't think at any point in history prior to that, would you have youth at 14 or 15 saying, first of all, before you interview me, what does it pay? Because they figured out that they apply for five jobs and get several interviews. It is a bit strange because the youth unemployment, which is that 15 to 24-year-old, is sitting around 7.8% here in Australia, which is traditionally low because usually it's around about that 12%. And that's been steady now for quite some time at that number. Yeah, it's bizarre. So if you're looking at youth employment in Australia, I think that also there's stats to show that it is tougher gender-related, cultural background and regional. Right. If you're a male living in a city as a considered youth, the world is your oyster in terms of opportunity at the moment. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's yeah. so true. Do you have anything like as Serge started us off here? Do you have anything at the other end? Because here in Canada, we called it Freedom 55. Technically, retirement age here is 65. We saw people leaving like at an alarming rate. Yeah. It has happened and it's definitely happening, but I'm also seeing a lot more people in that age group coming back to work. Interest rates have gone through the roof here. We've had Mm. nine interest rate rises in 12 months. We're about to probably get our 10 and interest rates gone from like 0.5% and the cash rates up around nearly 4% now. And that's added to everyone's mortgage. If you've got a half million dollar mortgage around about a thousand dollars a month or more to your mortgage. And a lot of the middle-class wage earners are really finding that difficult. And same at the other end, if people haven't been cash savvy. Mm. And also the people who in that age group, many of them have got holiday or vacation homes too, which are double mortgages. So some of them are being pulled back in by necessity as opposed to what they want to do with their lives. Yeah. People who two years ago said, hey, I'm retiring. This is all good. I've seen what life's like not going to work. I'm out. Are all going, oh, shit, I can't pay my mortgage now or, also, or put food on the table. So I'm going to go and find something to do. Superannuation funds, which is our compulsory retirement fund that our employers pay into and we can put payments into as well. They're really managed by the stock markets and those types of things. And because they've had a bit of a crash as well, everything's gone up, gone down. It's very volatile. So the money that they're drawing out of their super funds is not there Yeah, mm. either. So I'm not sure how your system works, but in Australia, it's 10% now, is it? 10.5% so, goes up. Another so your employer has to contribute wow. 10.5% of your salary into a retirement fund. And you're not allowed to access that until you retire. But they bent the rules during COVID because people were struggling, lost roles. So they allowed people to pull some out. And, that, and that's one of the really big things in the news over the last couple of weeks, because the current government now is going to tighten everything up again and mm. make it, it's for your retirement, you can't touch it. It takes the stress off the pension system then. If you've got a access to, you're 65 and there's a million dollars saved that you weren't allowed to touch, that'll help you live yeah. for 15, 20 years without further impacting the government's statute. An example that I've got about a bit over half a million dollars in my superannuation fund that I've saved over my working life. And And this is government run? Yeah, government run. Every employment. So they take it out of- But if you're 15 years old, you get paid. It's like like garnished out of from employers. So once they put in their payroll, they just go bang. It's an additional 10% and individuals can contribute as well to make it more. And there's heaps of tax savings at the back end. It's a really good system. We've got one of the highest 
aging populations in the world, but we've got one of the least stressed government funds on pensions because of the, of this fund that's been it probably about 30 years maybe. It was introduced in the 90s by Paul Keating. Yes, yeah, so it's been around about 30 years and it's entrenched and it works. It works. Really interesting because there is a retirement. But Canada Pension Plan. Canada Pension, but it's peanuts, yeah, right? Not right. 10%. Imagine no, putting no. 10% of your wages away from age 14. And what will that be worth by the time you retire? I like, think that's great. A lot of money. Holy shit. I a think lot that's fantastic. Yeah. It's a great incentive. No one thinks of it as a it's a hard thing to do as an employer. It's just there. It's part of the salary packaging. It was really difficult because during COVID, like I said, in you know, Australia shut down a lot. So a lot of people lost their jobs because businesses just stopped. And so the government said you can take 20,000. Oh, they did it in two lots of 10, but you could only take the money out if you had contributed out of the portion you'd contributed to the fund, not what your employees uh, have ever okay. put in. Uh, so okay. if you've been contributing over the years, you could take that money out. But if it was only all employer, you couldn't. But it was supposed to be to help people to put food on the table or to pay a mortgage. And a lot of people were going and buying you, you know, big TVs and it's just that it was a bit of a rot. So they've closed that loophole now, which is good in a way. Well, yeah, I think they have to. Otherwise, people yeah. are just going to piss. Let's jump into another topic. So I've always been fascinated by Australia because I work in the job board world. And Australia is pretty much the only market in the world that one dominant job board has been able, first of all, to hold off indeed. And yeah. this is Seek. Tell me about the dynamic of job boards in Australia. I'm very curious. If you talk to anyone, whether it be in agency land or in-house land, they'll say Seek is a necessary evil, right? Okay. Uh, That's what they say about Indeed here. Okay. So Indeed's tried, it's thrown a lot. It really hasn't put a dent. If you're going to look at a, a slight competitor in market to Seek, it would only be LinkedIn. And that's obviously not in blue collar volume, but in you know white collar and specific, probably LinkedIn is, is a fair player. But Seek, it's just you go to, and, and it's funny, we were talking about this with someone yesterday. And they said that, you know, like you get budget and if it's job board budget, the very first thing they'll do is just go, okay, seek. It's like you're scared if you're not in it because it owns so many profiles oh. and they haven't diversified. They've been really clever. So over the last couple of years, seek have gone, hang on, we've got all this data. We've got probably 80% or maybe 90 or even close to hundred percent of people in Australia who've applied for a job have done it via seek at some stage. So we've got their data. We've got their resume. We've got their contact details. So they've really switched a fair bit of their focus into seek learning. So they're pitching learning and development back at all these people. They've got a captured database that they can sell to now. So it's really sort of helped them diversify a bit in case someone comes or in case job boards die. Yeah. Mm. Their costings are going through the roof. Again, necessary evil is definitely there. I won't spend with them unless it's a conscious spend. I'll think about that role and how I'm going to find the candidates. If it's a lower level, like a level one, two, three, whatever support role, entry level role or an admin role, those types of roles definitely would use Seek. You'll get the applicants, you'll find someone and you'll do it quick because that's where people, that's where they're told to go. Anything more high level, I get probably 70% or more of my candidates from LinkedIn. But oh, Seek still spends so much money on advertising still. So they, they spend the money to stay front of mind. Billboards everywhere you look, television ads everywhere, a seek, 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 nonstop. So everyone knows who they are. And I think when people are looking at their budget from a talent acquisition perspective, they're looking at maybe things like instead of do we move away from job boards and invest in some mapping and some building of talent communities and the sourcing functionality mm -hmm. as opposed to that spending job board. But if there is a spending job board, it's almost 
seek. Every company, before they go to an agency, if they haven't got their own talent acquisition function, the first thing I'll do is I'll pop an ad on seek. They don't get what they want. They call an agency. Uh, Zip Recruiter relevant in your market? No. LinkedIn. Jora. Jora a little bit. Monster and slash career one. It's coming back. I'm seeing a few things hit my inbox about they're trying to rejig that here. And yeah, Cora, I use a little bit. But Seek is the go-to for every business who hasn't got a talent function. They won't even think of anything else but Seek. Yeah. But Seek don't have, like, indeed, you have your free jobs and stuff like that you can pop up. There's nothing free on Seek. Yeah. and, they, and Is it duration-based or is it cost per click, performance? What's the model? No, just buy an ad. It's X, X amount. And they, they've got a, a set of data internally that depending on how difficult to fill it is from their data or location-based, the cost changes. So it's not a set cost. Okay. So until you actually press go on wanting to post the ad, you don't even really know how much it's going to cost you. What yeah. else is hot right now in talent acquisition tech, HR tech? Is there any company that everyone's raving about? I'll tell you one thing, and Lauren can speak to it. There's been a business that launched here only six months ago, Equity. Oh, I love it. And what they're doing is something so different to anything that's happened here. It has exploded and we think there's huge global ramifications for what they're doing, but Lauren's much closer to the business than I am. So I absolutely love this business. It's all about uh, gender equality, but not just gender, it's going to be expanding and they've got that on the platform to also bring up equality in other areas. Now, what they do is they will collate all of your data in your HRIS, ATS system and about all your employees, and they will be able to tell you the gender difference in pay to a granular level in every single department at the click of a button. Even via promotion, so stages of succession through businesses and how that changes. Because recently in Australia, well, is it recent, the it's mandatory reporting? Wise. We've got a mandatory reporting requirement yearly for every company that's got over 100 people here on what your gender demographics on salary are across the board. And this will break it down within your business. There was nothing that no. did it automatically no. before. Uh, this it'll is... break it down to each department. And so you're not going to be heavily weighed out because your CEO is male and getting paid a shitload of money and give you that imbalance. You can actually see where the differences are departmentally. But this reporting is actually quite difficult to do and can mm. take businesses like three or four, five, six people, six to seven weeks to collate the data every year. This stuff does it at the click of a button. And it's dashboard driven. Phenomenal stuff. Really and the UK clever. have similar data reporting <laughs> and there's been a bill put to Parliament here recently because all of this was all done anonymously. The companies had the protection of that yeah. and now they're going to do the name and shame. Yeah. Just like the UK. And I'm like, bring it, people, bring it. It's really clever. And obviously we're in Ireland a million miles away from everywhere else. So for us, this is something that has just rolled through the whole market at an amazing pace. It's like the light bulb moment after light bulb moment with this. Oh. And the other one I think is because there's a lot of talk in Australia around internal mobility and being able to manage that process and rejig, which have been around a couple of years now, Australian company manage internal mobility. And it's really, really clever. And again, they raised a phenomenal amount of money via USP funds last year. 
Yeah, two or three rounds have done now. Yeah. You've got flow of work coming up behind them as well. Yeah. Doing all that. But yeah. So that internal mobility and equity around minority groups is really driving some really cool tech at the moment yeah. down here. The equity, especially, they're really tackling that gender pay gap at the moment. Because on average, I think we're looking at around 14.1%, but then in a tech industry, it's 22% difference wage yeah. on women doing the same job. And their plans are to you know, scale that out to other minority groups. So being able to look at based on religion, based on sexual preference, based on all sorts of different Disability, things. Disability, all the whole so, D&I. Um, yeah, it's really cool. What a really cool tool having at your fingertips. And I don't think we have anything like that. I know there's tools being worked on in North America. People Insights out of Ottawa, but I think they finally gave up on the Canadian market. It was never purposed for this, but it sounds like the same sort of technology mm. where you can take disparate data sets and basically they upload it and maybe it's a Power BI database or something. I think there's a fair bit of movement in the market here too around the ATS. Yeah. You know, in that mid-tier, you know, you've got your work days and your success factors and all those sorts of things. I don't want to call them mid-tier because it's not fair because I do work with enterprise clients like your smart recruiters, Lever, Greenhouse. ISOMs aren't in our market here. Interesting. Uh, yeah, really interesting. I think they will have a play at some stage. There was talk of a possible acquisition with one of the large players that already sit here, but yeah. hasn't eventuated. Smart Recruiters is massive. And then there's a local one called Job Adder, which although they've got an American presence and a UK presence, I had a meeting with them yesterday, a demo, and they told me that they have 40% of the agency market in Australia which is really interesting. And they don't really play in the corporate space or the TA space yet. Well, and usually, in, at least here in North America, the ATS that run in agencies and corporate are usually completely different because yeah. smart recruiters has zero market share on the agency side of it. The bullhorn is, is dominant. Then there's For Recruit agencies, CRM yeah. that's yeah. become big here in the agency, but corporate is a completely different space. Yeah. Because if you look at, I mean, the demo I had yesterday, it was based very much around your forecast and your, your fee per placement. You know, you don't want to see time to feel, they want to see different reporting set completely. And I know, look, there are ones out there that can do it, but you're right. You turn left at the fork in the road or depending on where you are. It's really interesting. So guys, this has been amazing. And the last time we did this was, I think a year and a half ago, and you haven't changed at all. Craig, you've aged a little bit. Lauren, you're getting younger. <laughs> Shelly, anyone want to stick up for me? Anybody? No. <laughs> Come on, Shelly. No, here's no. where I've learned to take the high road, Craig, because like we've got a whole crew of our American friends and our European friends, and they love to pick at each other and banter. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. And I'm just like, are you guys all like 14 still? I just take the high road. <laughs> oh, great. It's been great talking to you guys. We love it. And we talk about you guys all the time and really we're avid listeners. And we can't wait to see you. You know, obviously we've met Shelly in person, but we want to really get I some said to Shelley face to face there. There's some more art that needs to be knocked off walls. Mm. Yes, and that story was a fun one, wasn't it? it oh, it was. I'll let oh my you gosh. tell it, Shelly, because seriously, that was just... Oh, I can't even believe it was real. And Lauren, I think the best time I have had in my life was at our special restaurant where you invited me to join you for what a nine course meal. Yeah. We went to Gordon Ramsay's new restaurant at the Savoy. So Joe, I wasn't invited to that. I was probably sleeping. Shell and I had our hair done. We got dressed up. Oh this my restaurant God. Seats 26 people only. How good okay. was that? Yeah. It was a life <laughs> event. 
Lauren, it was fantastic. Like we're going to talk about that off air as far as Shelly and next time we're all together, how to find a man for Shelly. We need to help her out. <laughs> we know where he works. Uh, we know where he works and he's got the key to one of the best wine cellars we know. It seems like exactly <laughs> Shelly's time. But I think he was married. You guys are no, too much. Love guys. you so much. Thank you so much for being on this show. Yeah. I listen to your show faithfully as well. Thank you for doing what you do. And I know you've got a big episode coming up. like 200, 200 yes. 200th episode. Could we only release one a week and yeah. it'll be our 200th episode. Very excited. Well, Very congratulations. congratulations. 200 is a big deal. And we're saying it because we just got there, what, a month ago? Woo! It's a really big deal. Really appreciate it, guys. Can't wait to see you in person. For anyone listening, go check out Tapod, T-A-P-O-D. It is, after us, the best recruitment <laughs> we'll call it a tie we'll call, we'll it, call a it a tie <laughs> thank you for listening thank you guys. love you guys shelly let's face it texting candidates is the easiest way to hire quicker today but your cell phone doesn't connect to your ats you're sharing your personal number with strangers that's pretty scary right shelly and mm. it's not even legally compliant. Mm, this is where our friends at Rectex come in. They've created simple yet powerful text recruiting software that works with your ATS. Plus, it's designed by recruiters for recruiters. So you know it works. To learn more and book a demo, visit www.rectxt.com. Mention the Recruitment Flex and get 10% off annual plans. Have you ever found yourself scrolling through financial news and wondering, how does any of this affect me? How can I read a major headline and truly understand what impact that has on not only my portfolio, but my life? Well, our goal on the podcast Inside the Street, hosted by Wall Street analysts at Lachifre Partners, is to provide public investors and young professionals with a deeper understanding of the mechanics that drive those major headlines. And what better way to dive into these mechanics and hosting Wall Street analysts themselves to discuss the newest trends in finance firsthand? Well, on our show, we bring you real perspectives from the front line. Hearing these analysts give commentary has made our listeners much more well-versed on the financial markets. This approach to discussion allows our listeners to engage in conversation with much more educated opinions and predictions. So be sure to check out our show, Inside the Street, wherever you find your podcasts.